Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. In summation, Harvard University is okay with anti-Semitism. And Harvard University has admitted that Dr. Claudine Gay, president of the university, was a DEI hire. That her academic record is not worthy of being president. That her published papers are filled with not only citing errors, but outright plagiarism. And it doesn't matter. That is what the Ivy League, sorry, the ISIS League now has to offer. Not intellectual excellence or academic excellence, not an intellectual pursuit, but rather who will engage fealty? Who will engage the most level of fealty to the lowest common denominator of bigotry? That is Harvard. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. That is the number. Let's uh let's take a moment because I think some people might take offense to me saying that Dr. Claudine Gay, a black woman, got the job because she's a black woman and not because she has any skill set whatsoever. But that's what the facts show. So why in the world would you get angry with me for noting it? Oh, I expect to be called a racist. Oh, I expect to get yelled at. Oh, I expect to get calls. Oh my gosh, how dare you say that, Tony Katz? Harvard has been confronted with her intellectual uh, inaccuracies, her academic inaccuracies, I should say, her lack of intellectual heft, I should say. And you know what they said? We're fine. First, let's take a step back. Dr. Claudine Gay would not answer a basic question with any level of decency. Is it okay for people on a college campus, on the Harvard campus, to, to call for the genocide of Jews? Is, is, is that harassment? Well, it depends on the context. It depends on the context, does it? These people want Jews dead. These pro-Hamas freaks like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Acacia Cortez and Andre Carson and Jamal Bowman. All of these college campus Marxist losers want Jews dead. And that's not a problem to you on your campus? The same campus that holds mandatory trainings to discuss how you must use proper pronouns or... You uh, could be guilty of of hate, and uh, maybe you'll be off campus. If you have an Adam's apple, I call you he, and if you don't like it, I don't care, but I'm not here to lie to myself or lie to you to fulfill some kind of weird fantasy you've got going on. Or to aid and abet your serious mental issue, considering gender dysphoria is listed in the DSM-5, the statistical manual for those who are members of the American Psychiatric Association. It's real, and it's dangerous, and we should help people not buy in to their own delusions.
If you have an Adam's apple, if you're a man, I'm calling you he or him. And your happiness is not my problem. Me not lying to myself. That's how I bring about my happiness, and I'm not changing it because of you. Now, Harvard thinks otherwise, but neither here nor there. At Harvard, you can call for genocide, and they don't even think it's harassment. It's a very weird thing to say. And all these presidents... So fixated on the idea of free speech. Well, you're not having a free speech conversation, now are you? Because you don't believe in free speech on your campuses at all. Let's say there are still some Republicans at Harvard. Could they invite me to speak right now? I'm going to have a whole conversation about never, ever, ever lying when it comes to pronouns, no matter what. And I don't care what a person calls themselves. Do not lie. And do not lie to yourself because of what it does to the soul. Can I have that conversation? Can I have that conversation on your campus? Let me know. Invite me. And, I mean, I'll do it in one of the ISIS League schools. Yeah, by the way, they're not the Ivy Leagues. This is the ISIS League. Their support of Hamas is complete. Um, I'll, I'll do it uh, and, and any Midwest school. I'd be overjoyed to, by the way. You just got to pay the fee. But, yeah, I'd be overjoyed to do it. These people, they want to tell you that it all depends on context. Oh, we're so believers in free speech. Oh, it's not necessarily an issue. Oh, it really depends. When, of course, the answer is it's horrific. It's disgusting. If you're asking if people can gather in a town square and engage such rhetoric under the guise of the First Amendment, I would argue uh, with, with, I guess, levels of exception being small, yes, they can, because the federal government cannot create a law regarding speech. But a university that already creates so many laws regarding speech could have and chose not to. That's Harvard. Well, this brings in a lot of questions. Questions and pressure, and at the University of Pennsylvania, Liz McGill uh, uh, has to resign. So does the chairman of the board, Scott Bach. And uh, she, oh, she's still going to be a, a professor, but won't be president of the university anymore. All gone. The attention then turns to Claudine Gay at Harvard. And the Harvard people state, yeah, we're not getting rid of Claudine Gay. Well, as they state that they're not going to get rid of Claudine Gay because she is such a, a valuable person and she, she internalizes the values of our university. As they write the Harvard Corporation, as they write to reaffirm their support for President Gay's leadership of Harvard, they state, so many people have suffered tremendous damage and pain because of Hamas's brutal terrorist attack. And the university's initial statement should have been an immediate, direct, and unequivocal condemnation. Calls for genocide are despicable and contrary to fundamental human values. President Gay has now apologized for how she handled her congressional testimony and is committed to redoubling the university's fight against anti-Semitism. She was asked a basic question and spent the next hour telling you that uh, it's totally fine to say these things on campus. And it took an immense amount of pressure to get her to engage some kind of apology where the real issue was the combative nature of the hearing. Madness. 
Well, as they're letting her off the hook for this, you then start to understand that there's another problem with Claudine Gay. It's that Claudine Gay is a terrible academic. As a matter of fact, she's not an academic. As the Washington Free Beacon explained, this is definitely plagiarism, reads the headline. Harvard University President Claudine Gay copied entire paragraphs from others' academic work and claimed them as her own. It started with a citing here. It started with a quote there. Now it is full passages lifted. Full passages. Multiple scholars looking at four papers published between 1993 and 2017, including her doctoral dissertation, paraphrasing of or quoting of nearly 20 authors, including two of her colleagues in the Harvard University Department of Government without proper attribution. Now, it should be noted that students today are released from the university for not following these kinds of guidelines. They have rules about how one must cite their sources. And people do not get to graduate. They do not get to remain at Harvard University when they do not follow these rules. It is without question a series of scholars analyzing these cases of plagiarism stated that Gay had violated a core principle of academic integrity as well as Harvard's own anti-plagiarism policies, which state that, and I'm quoting, it's not enough to change a few words here and there. There is literally a side-by-side analysis of paragraphs of the stolen work, not just from people like Dr. Carol Swain, but a whole host of people. How does Harvard respond? In the same letter where they say she's fighting against anti-Semitism, if you believe that, quote, with regard to President Gay's academic writings, the university became aware in late October of allegations regarding three articles. At President Gay's request, the fellows promptly initiated an independent review by distinguished political scientists and conducted a review of her published work. On December 9th, the fellows reviewed the results, which revealed a few instances of inadequate citation. While the analysis found no violation of Harvard standards for research misconduct, President Gay is proactively requesting four corrections in two articles to insert citations and quotation marks that were omitted from the original publication. Translation, having a black female president is more important than whether or not she did the job properly in trying to become, in becoming a doctoral student or in getting her career at Harvard. It matters more to us that we check boxes than we have somebody who's competent. Thank you. Good night. That's what Harvard has said today. Harvard has said quite clearly, we don't believe in academic excellence and we don't care about anti-Semitism. We care about boxes checked. 
Now, you say to me, Tony, you're making actually a bunch of allegations that somehow Claudine Gay is not competent because she's a black woman. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I am saying that Claudine Gay happens to be a black woman and Claudine Gay is not competent. I have met white Jewish men who are not competent. I have met Asian men who are not competent. I have met Hispanic men who are not competent. And on the other side, I have met Asian men and women, Hispanic men and women, black men and women, Jewish men and women, white Christian men and women who are totally competent. I have met gay men and women who are not competent. And I have met gay men and women who are. There are two sides of the bell curve, and it's time for everybody to grow up. Harvard has let the cat out of the bag. What are we talking about? They said they promoted her. They said they gave her the job because she's a black woman. It's the only thing that matters. The fact that she didn't even do her own damn work, the fact that she's a liar and a fraud is meaningless to us. Boxes got checked. Don't you understand? Boxes got checked. If we don't check boxes, how do we know we're decent? And then they fell to the floor in a puddle of their own tears, saying, please don't call me racist. I just want to be loved and invited to cool parties. Oh, my God. Now, it should be noted that uh, not only did she crib and lie and steal, but in her entire academic career... She's got 11 peer-reviewed journal papers. 11 is all you need to be a president at Harvard University? 11? Guys, I never graduated college. But I wasn't trying to run a university. First, I could. I'd be awesome. Secondly, 11 to run Harvard? This woman is intellectually bereft. But that's okay. Harvard is ethically bereft. She is not about the academia. She is not about some great Harvard history. She is about proof of DEI. Diversity, equity, and inclusion being the only reason she is there. That's why she got the job, and that's why she's keeping the job. As Noah Rothman points out in National Review, her ascension to being president was the, quote, shortest selection process in almost 70 years. Maybe it shouldn't have been so short. And maybe it was so short because they only said, this is the kind of applicant we're going to have, and we're not going to look too hard over here because it's important we show all the students and all the, the, the Harvard alumni, look how woke we are and look how important we are and look how much we care about these things, etc. DEI is outright bigotry that is built on the concepts of hate. In this case, Harvard's hate for the students and Harvard's hate for its own history. 
intellectual heft, academic rigor. These things could not be allowed to get in the way of somebody's ascension. Their characteristics being more important than their mind. That's what DEI does. It does not celebrate the mind. It celebrates the characteristics overall, over everything. As a matter of fact, to even mention the mind is a sign of the bigotry. You see how backwards it all is. The Ivy Leagues have shown you what trash they are. A Harvard graduate today is a meaningless graduate. As a matter of fact, any school that promotes DEI, that engages promotions based on DEI, or supports those policies, can't be a school that's worthy of going to. Can't be a school worthy of the diploma. No. No, this is an ugly day for the Ivies. It's an ugly day for the university system. And for those students who actually been studying and have been told that that's what matters, now you know it doesn't. Except it does. And we have to be the ones who teach the lesson to Harvard and others. I'll get to that story in the days ahead. This is Tony Katz today. The Dow up 106, the NASDAQ up 38. Oil prices are down once again. That's kind of nutty. That it just it just it keeps going down. And then of course, there's this little weird announcement. Hey, hello and welcome to the new Joy is out this week. You know why? She finally got COVID. Yeah, she's she's three years, four years in. It finally got her. She can stop bragging now. That's yeah. right. That's right. Her special blood That's type. Right. And all of that. yes. That's right. But filling in is the fabulous, wonderful, amazing event Nicole. Well, first of all, I like Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh, she was on Community, and she's fantastic. Uh, uh, secondly, um, if you had COVID now, how would you know? You get tested? You Are people still doing that? It's a cold. Look, I've had a cold for a week. It's been, a, it's been an ugly cough. You know what I did? I've been going to work. Now, if you tell me, hey, I'm not going to go to work, uh, you know, someone might get sick, so it's, it's best that I don't. Well, I can appreciate that. But get tested? Can I ask why? At this stage of the game, why in the world are, are we doing this? That it seems that seems very virtue signaling. And why would you say she finally got COVID? Like, how dare she not get COVID? I don't know. It almost sounds like the ladies of The View are like have relief about this. Good, now that she's got it, we, we can prove that COVID's really bad. People are. People are something else. Let's break down the border issues. That's up next. I'm Tony Katz.
conversation continues. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. We said we were going to do it. I took that trip down to the border. I've got another one that I'll be going on hopefully sooner rather than later, but it might actually be uh, at this stage of the game uh, next spring or, or summer. But the border issues are massive, and they don't get enough coverage. But for some people, they're bigger than others. And certainly in the state of Texas, they deal with more border issues than in the state of Indiana or in the state of Nebraska. Genevieve Collins is the state director of Americans for Prosperity in Texas. And, and state directors of, of this group are dealing with policy issues in the state. Well, Texas uh, immigration is a policy issue. It just it, it has to be defined as such. There's no way to kind of separate it out. Just like we have seen that immigration is an American issue, not a Texas issue. Certainly policy-wise, it's not like you're discussing policies and, and pick your state uh, that are all immigration-focused or have a lot of immigration focus. That's happening more, of course, in border states. So in understanding the work that Genevieve Collins does, I started with a basic question. Immigration for a, a group like yours that focuses on you know economic freedom and, and economic issues, exactly how much is immigration a part of your daily portfolio? It's a massive portion of our portfolio. Border security and the economy are the number one and number two issues in the state of Texas. And you know what I've been trying to broadcast around the rest of the country is that because of the Biden administration's failed policies around immigration, now every state is a border state and making sure that every state is actually holding their members of Congress accountable for doing nothing. And there seems to be just a consistent uh, desire for Congress to do nothing. And now because Texas has such large terrain, you're right. It is a massive issue. It's the it's the number one issue for Republican primary voters and then the economy. And we're going to see that play out bigly uh, over the next year. Let's talk about the people who want to do nothing or are doing nothing, because it would seem odd to me that a member of Congress in Texas who deals with this on the daily, certainly their constituents deal with it on the daily, uh, do zero. Is it that you bring up the subject and they don't respond or you bring up the subject and they don't care about responding? Well, so there's two things happening here in Texas with our members of Congress. We do have a lot of leadership coming from different members of Congress here in Texas trying to solve the problem, whether that's Democrat Congressman Henry Cuellar, as well as Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, they share a huge swath of the Rio Grande border. In addition, our Senator John Cornyn, they have all jointly written policy called the Bipartisan Border Solutions Act to begin solving some of the issues for Customs and Border Patrol, uh, solving some of our infrastructure and asylum seeking reforms. Uh, so there is stuff that's happening. But there's also Chip Roy has a bill. There's a lot of folks that are trying to do well because it's immediately affecting all of our communities. It's a public safety issue, not just a humanitarian crisis, uh, not just a drug crisis. But the problem is that outside of Texas, so many other members of Congress see it as an easier political football and they're able to score points with it rather than solve the issue. So it's easier to just let it continue to fester rather than solve. 
We often hear about this uh, even before October 7th when we talk about the Hamas attack on Israel. Uh, yeah. Palestinians as cause versus Palestinians as state. Uh, the, the idea that utilizing them as pawns to a rallying cry or a fundraising cry or a cry to violence is much more advantageous for those powers that be that want to continue to be powerful uh, than actually figuring out how a state could be created and could be run. Uh, you're arguing that there's the same type of power play happening in the federal government, in Congress. It doesn't matter how many elections we have so far. Absolutely. Tony, no one has solved the issue since the 80s. You know, it's not like fewer people are coming. In fact, more and more and more people are coming to, to the tune of over 2 million people that have single-handedly just been apprehended. Those aren't the folks that have gotten away from Customs and Border Patrol. These are the people that we've actually found, discovered, apprehended, processed. We can't even count the countless millions of people that have come across our borders illegally since the Biden administration. So yes, it is exactly the same process that you were just describing. It's easier to keep it an issue rather than to solve it because now I can fundraise off of it. I can you know, create ideological battlefields. I can do so much more as a member of Congress with the issue rather than solving it. And it's it's a, it's at the detriment of the American people. It's at the detriment of the rule of law. And it's at the detriment of making sure that we have a nation with borders. Talking to Genevieve Collins, she is the state director of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, let's talk about the, 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 the reasons why we see people coming to the United States as we often discuss it. What's the draw? What, what is the in? If I were to engage culturally, all I'm told is that America is a hateful and bigoted and, and, and awful, uh, oppressive place. Yet you see people trying to get in the door constantly. As you talk to these members of Congress, or at least trying, as you talk to Border Patrol members, I was on the border. I think you were there uh, with me uh, on the border there at McAllen. Um, what, is, what is the number one draw right now for people trying to get into the U.S.? It's it's hope, you know. Only hope is the greater. Only hope is Jeff Bridges said this, uh, which is a strange person to quote for this statement. But hope is the only emotion that's greater than fear, and people are coming to this country because America is the shining beacon of hope. We have an economy that people can immediately go to work, or sometimes go to work. Uh, we have we have opportunity. And it's hard to put a price tag on opportunity when your own country has none. And what we keep forgetting is that America is the land of the free. It's the land where opportunity exists and anyone can prosper. And those are three draws that are that are heartwarming. They're American. It's the American dream. It's the American ideal. And at any cost, someone will come here to flee for a better life because there's freedom, opportunity, and prosperity. So it, it's it's interesting that you didn't mention freebie. This is the conversation we hear a lot. And don't get me wrong, if we, if we were to engage politically, we'll hear the political left discuss uh, how we have to give this and we have to give that, and there has to be housing and there has to be this. But in terms of how you are hearing these people at the border, that didn't come up in your list. So... Is it Not that you forgot or is it that that's never the case? That's just talking point from uh, a, a political left point of view. It's the latter. 
people are happy to work. If they have made such a dangerous journey, they're not afraid of doing the hard work. They're not afraid of having a 2,000 mile journey that is treacherous, remarkably dangerous, fraught with cartels. These people are, are unafraid of doing the hard work. And people want to come here because their own economy, their own country has no opportunity, has no options. That they're fleeing a place of misery, of tyranny, of deprivation, that these folks, they will come solicit America for an opportunity to succeed, for a dream to be a part of the greatest country on earth. And so the left completely forgets that. And, you know, these folks, they're doing the jobs that a lot of people don't want to do, that most Americans don't want to. And they may not love it, but they are dang happy to be here, to have a work visa, to contribute, to own their own business, to have a family here uh, and be a part of the American dream. And the left hates that narrative. But that's well, the well, reality. Let's, let, let's take a, just a, a, a moment back. And, and certainly uh, the idea, I think sometimes people here do the jobs that Americans don't want to do. Uh, and they don't recognize that if we're talking about agriculture, uh, alone, you have got a massive amount of job openings uh, and a very tiny number yeah. of Americans uh, applying for the, those jobs, using that as an example. But what if I said to you that the idea that people are coming for opportunity and not coming because they know that a left-leaning America is going to give them a handout, that that's a naive take, Genevieve. That is a naive point of view playing into talking points politically, and it should be opposed. How do you respond to that? I think that if anyone's trying to say that people want to work hard as being naive, then move to Texas. Texans know what hard work is. We deal with it every day. Uh, and to say that someone who goes, traverses this incredible, arduous, painful, difficult journey just is coming here because they want a handout is really callous and very shallow. And I think that you're undermining the human dignity of somebody. And people see America as a place that res that respects human dignity and and human progress and the ability to work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There are countless examples time over and again and again how people have done that since 1776. And if I'm being a Pollyanna, then you know what? I'm sure happy to know that when I go to sleep at night, I know that I'm having I'm having uh, positive dreams because I'm dreaming of of an American Republic that is open to anyone that wants to be a part of a country and do hard work. And so that's the other part of it. The other side of this, uh, it, it, to the extent I'm, it is actually the other side, is that Texans don't seem opposed to the idea of immigration. Even when people are discussing shutting down the border and maybe possible reasons for shutting it down to get the system in play, it, 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 I, I did not experience in my time, McCallum, which admittedly was a short time. I have many more trips to take throughout uh, the, the Texas border. I did not encounter, whether it be my Uber driver or whether it be uh, restaurants, what have you, people saying we should shut the border. That didn't come up. Is Texas a believer that we should, that uh, Governor Greg Abbott should shut it down no matter what Biden says, let him fight you on it? I mean, Texans believe that we need border security. 
fundamentally, security is not the same as shutting down. Security is making sure that our communities are safe. That is the sole responsibility of the government is to make sure that they're protecting their people and their citizens. And when you got cartels coming over in droves, threatening the public safety of communities, bringing in death drugs like fentanyl, uh, we need to curtail a lot of that. That doesn't necessarily mean shut the border down, but it does mean secure the border. We need infrastructure. That can be a wall, that can be razor wire, that can be buoys. You see this federal government is now suing Greg Abbott for trying to secure our border that the federal government won't. You know, we want border security because border security and economic security are immediately tied. When you have border security, you can have better flow of trade. You can have more people economically uh, lifting themselves up. You can have more certainty from an economic standpoint when you know the border is secure. And under no circumstance do we want to have a porous border. That means we don't have a nation with defined boundaries. That's not what Texans want. We're very proud of Texas. You talk to any Texan, they'll tell you how great it is here, right? We True. wanna make sure that our, our our country, but that's how Texas think of ourselves, that but our state, but also our country have rule of law. This is completely acceptable. These are not two you know, divergent concepts that we need border security, but we need the federal government to stand tall and say, no, we want people to come here but we want people to come here legally. We want people to come here safely and we want people to contribute to the American dream, have their version of the American dream. Genevieve, you talk about Henry Cuellar, the congressman, uh, who has been very open about the, the failures of the Biden administration on the border and the issues with the border. Is there uh, amongst Texans a bipartisan feel regarding border security? From members of Congress or even uh, from, our Texas from the House. people, from the actual people, the residents, is is so, there a bipartisan feel on this? No, not not from a legislative standpoint. We're in our so our Texas legislature meets every two years, and right now we are in our fourth special session because our Texas House didn't get all of their work done, and we're talking about border security and. The Republicans are fighting the Democrats and the Democrats are saying, you know, you're this is not how we need to do it. This we need to, you know, talk about it in a humanitarian way. So, no, there's not consensus, but there is consensus on there being a problem. There's not consensus on a solution. And that really, Tony, goes back to your original question. Right. Like, how come no one's really actually trying to solve the problem? It's because it's an inconvenient solution that very few people agree on how to do it. They don't they don't agree on how to do it or they don't want to agree because doing it is is the problem in and of itself. Bingo. Oh, that is depressing, Genevieve. That is, <laughs> that, is that is not a way to end the conversation at all. I, I I am I am disgusted, but just like all of you, not surprised in the slightest. Genevieve Collins, state director, Americans for Prosperity, state director in Texas. Appreciate you. All part of Border Week. More coming up today, more coming up on uh, the border. This is the biggest problem in America, and we are going to make sure we cover every aspect of it. This is Tony Katz today. The Smile Direct Club has gone bankrupt. 
I, I, I'm not joking. You know those people where you like you, you're like, hey, I want you to make my teeth straight, and you take a little mold, and then they send you the the, the liners. Yeah, they've they've gone under. They're like effective immediately. We're done. Um, they entered Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Uh, what was it? Three months ago, and then uh, the other day they were like, "Thank you, good night, goodbye." By the way, if you're on a payment plan with us, you still have to pay us in full later. Oh yeah, that lifetime guarantee. We don't honor that anymore. Pay us. Bye now. What nuttiness! Uh, conceptually, I always like the idea. I think if you want to trust a, a service like this, you should be able to. And and I think people have used it. And I certainly think people have gotten value out of it. But if you go bankrupt, if you go under, and now you tell me I still have to pay you, I don't understand how that works. I don't recognize where the value part of, of that is. Or is it that you provided a service and now I have to make good on paying for the service? Is that it? Is it wait, hold on, wait a second. Does that make sense? Is that a, is that a rational point of view? Yeah, I, 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 I paid, and then, and then you went out, so I don't get the customer service anymore. So isn't that a breach, breach of contract? How come they can breach their side of the contract, but I still have to fulfill my side of the contract? No, now, now you see. No, 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 now I like it less. Now I like it less. I'm curious. I'm curious if people are going to pay or not, but Smile Direct Club is no more. So, you know, congratulations to all the local orthodontists. This is Tony Katz today.